0: Again, we want to acknowledge to our Father, now God in heaven, that we are grateful for all of his love, mercy, and blessings. Of the many blessings that God gives to us, uh, let us ever be mindful that one is the gift of stability. Uh, To a person, I believe that we are all aware of the fact that there is no shortage of trouble in the world in which we live. Uh, There are troubled homes, there are troubled relationships, there's trouble at the workplace, and on the list could go. But in a world of turmoil and trouble, uh, there is calm and peace to be found in Christ Jesus. This is not to say that we get exemptions uh, from trouble and trial, uh, but with every trouble we face, we always get a greater portion, greater portion of grace Psalmist has declared in Psalm 57, uh, starting at verse 9, he says, I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations, for thy mercy is great to the heavens and thy truth to the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. And when you think about all that God has delivered us from all that God enables us to endure, then certainly praise is in order. And for all of God's blessings, we ought to be eternally grateful. We want to direct your attention again this morning uh, to Luke's account of the gospel. Uh, There in Luke chapter four, we want to read again verse number 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Based on uh, what is recorded for us here in Luke chapter four, uh, we want to use this morning as a subject the Great Physician. And as we consider the text that we have before us here in Luke chapter four, uh, I, I wanna be careful to say that God is awesome in his power and in his person. Uh, We're going to focus more this morning on God's, God's power, uh, but I think it needs to be said that God is also great in his person. He is great not just because of what he is able to do, he is great in his person, his character, his nature. Uh, In Exodus 15, verse number 11, we read, who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness? See, that's God's person. Fearful in praises, doing wonders. In the New Testament, we read in 1 John 4, verse eight, He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. And and, and I submit to you, you're great in your person when you become the definition of love. And, And when the fact that God is great in his person is combined with the fact that he is great in his power, the result is an awesome God. And for the month of February, Uh, We want to focus specifically on God's power from the sub-theme, He is able. Now now our theme for the year is Awesome God, and last month uh, we uh, used as a sub-theme, Who is the Lord? So this month we're going to use as a sub-theme, He is able. And the prevailing thought this morning is God has the power to heal. And we ought to be glad God has the power to heal because all of us on some level need healing. And our healing needs aren't always physical. They can be spiritual and emotional as well. But whatever our need may be, God has the power to heal. I find it ironic then that Jesus, reading from Isaiah chapter 61 here in Luke 4, Uh, which contains a message of good news and hope, would be rejected by his own hometown people. You know, usually when you're from the same hometown, that's kind of a binding point. Uh, You know, whenever I run into somebody and I find out they're from Baltimore, you already won some points with me. Uh, I don't know anything about you, but the fact that you're from Baltimore, look, yeah, we homeboys, That, that, that counts for something. He was rejected by his own hometown people. And if we talk about Jesus as a physician, I would venture that many of us have deferred medical treatment. Now, if you ever disregard the preacher, disregard me about what I'm about to say. I personally don't go to the doctor. Now, don't disregard me in that. I'm not encouraging you not to go. Because if you don't go and you get sick, don't come back to me and say, I didn't go because you said so. No, I'm telling you what I don't do. If I go, you know I was in some sure enough pain. Now, I'm not recommending that as a good course of action. I'm just saying I don't go. Many people reject Jesus just like we may defer medical treatment. And Lord help us, uh, you know, sometimes the case is, the doctor may say to you, if you had come earlier. See, that's one of the dangers of not going. You know, I try to doctor myself, but I appreciate I don't have a degree in medicine. Uh, So God forbid I should ever turn up sick. I don't have anybody to blame but myself. But Isaiah 61, Sister Cook, you said, that's right, a little too hard to (laughs) that. Isaiah 61, is a messianic prophecy of which Jesus is the fulfillment. And Jesus is uniquely suited as a healer because he is able to sympathize and empathize with our pain. Jesus's ability to heal lies not only in his power, but it also stems from his ability to identify with our plight. In Isaiah 53 and verse number three, The Bible says he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. And I think one of the takeaways from this, that there's nothing like having somebody that's been through what you're going through to help you get through what you're going through. See, Jesus said, I understand on a level that most people don't. I know what it's like to have your friends turn on you. I know what it's like to wanna to depend on people, but you can't depend on them. I know what it's like to be tired. Whatever it is that we go through, the Bible said, Jesus can empathize with our plan. When we speak of Jesus as the great physician, appreciate that he's a different kind of doctor. See, doctors, because of human limitations, quite often literally practice medicine. You know, you ever hear them say doctors practice medicine? Sometimes that's what they mean quite literally. They practice it. Uh, You you ever heard they have experimental drugs and experimental procedures, and sometimes they'll send you for a second opinion? And and, and I'm not mad at doctors. I believe that they do the best that they can. But with human limitations, uh, uh, there's some things that they just can't do that Jesus is able to do. See, with Jesus, there are no limitations. Uh, You remember the great invitation, Matthew 11, starting at verse 28, He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Notice he doesn't have to put any kind of exclusions or disclaimers there. Anybody who needs healing, Jesus invites us to come. And he says, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When we look at the gospel accounts, Jesus healed all manner of sickness and disease during the time of his personal ministry. And and, and I just believe that through the power of prayer, that we are still able to tap into that power today. Now, I don't mean that God is going to do everything we want him to, but, but I believe that God still has the same power today that he had back in Bible times. But the power of Jesus transcends physical healing. When we look at Luke 4, verse number 18, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Uh, I submit to you, number one this morning, that God provides hope to the hopeless. A part of Jesus' mission was to preach the gospel to the poor. And, And while I have no doubt that this meant that those that were financially poor I don't think it's restricted to just that case. See, there are other forms of poverty other than monetary considerations. See, one may be spiritually destitute as were the Laodiceans in uh, Revelation chapter two. You remember Jesus said to them, you say that you're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing? And he says, and you don't know that you're poor? Now he didn't mean they were poor economically speaking, but they were spiritually destitute. And the poor in Jesus' day, as it is in ours, tended to live on the outskirts of society. You know, poverty just means that you you don't have some of the advantages or or the position of the well-to-do, and and they were easy to abuse. And there's a word from God about showing compassion uh, uh, to the poor, in Psalm two, uh, uh, Psalm 82, verses three and four, uh, we are told that we ought to defend and deliver the poor. In James one, verse number 27, uh, the Bible says there that pure religion is to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. And just by coincidence, the fatherless and the widows tended to be poor. Poverty was and still is Uh, uh, synonymous with hopelessness and if ever there was something that can move one to depression and despair it's to be of the mind that there is no help and that's one of the reasons that the message of Jesus is good news see when Jesus is part of the equation there's always help And, and I mean that ready, willing and able kind of help and because there is help there is not just hope there's a sure hope But because of the way that he chooses to work, God's ability to help is dependent on my willingness to obey. Now, I believe God could do anything that he wants to. But understanding us, he chooses to work with us in a certain way. Do you remember the widow in 2 Kings chapter 4? You remember she comes to Elijah and she says, uh, uh, my husband is dead and my bills are due and the creditors going to sell my sons. Uh, uh, into slavery. Now, God knows our problems, and God could just abracadabra and, and fix the problem, but do you remember what she was told? Go find all the vessels that you can, and take the little bit of oil that you have and keep pouring it into all the vessels that you accumulate, and then take the oil and sell it and pay your debt. Now, the size of her blessing was dependent on how many vessels she gathered. You see what God did? God had her take ownership of her own issue. Yeah, I could just give you what you need, but but let me let you invest in this. And, And let me do it in such a way that you appreciate that it's me that's providing the deliverance. Don't you know God works with us that same way? We may have issues. We may need healing. God could just come in and wipe the issue out. But God said, let me get you to invest something in your own issue. You know, we tend to appreciate things that we had to work for. You know, somebody just give me something. I I tend not to value it the same as if I had to work for it. And, And when we have issues that we need healing, God understands that. Let me have you invest in something in it so that you appreciate it once it's achieved. And so God works with us to build our faith and our character in healing our issues. But it gives hope to the hopeless. But look further with me, if you will, there in Luke chapter 18. And depending on the translation you have, you may not have this next phrase in Luke four, but you do have it in Luke chapter, uh, in Isaiah 61 verse one, which Jesus is quoting from here. Uh, so if it gives you pause that you don't have it in Luke 4, go back and look in Isaiah 61, and, and you have it there. Uh, he says that he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. I submit to you that not, not only does God provide hope to the hopeless, but he also provides life to the lifeless. And, and again, uh, you may not have it in Luke 4, but, but it does appear in Isaiah 61, from which Jesus is quoting And even as there are multiple forms of poverty, there are multiple forms of death. Uh, Appreciate by the definition of the term that death means a separation. In, In James 2, 26, James says, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Now, there you just have some things that were separated. When we talk about physical death, the body is separated from the spirit. When you talk about faith being dead, is separated from works of obedience. To be, uh, uh, so when we understand that death is a separation, we appreciate that it's possible to be physically alive while dead in another context. In 1 Timothy 5, verse 6, without getting to the context of what Timothy was talking about, he says, but she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. Now, it's clear from what Timothy says there uh, that you can be physically alive, but dead in another context. Death means that something has been separated from something else. To be heartbroken is to be separated from peace, joy, or comfort. So Jesus can heal the emotional as well as the physical. You know, sometimes we have some things that need to be healed that, uh, uh, you know, some Robitussin or some Tylenol won't help. Uh, Sometimes my issues are not physical, they may be emotional or spiritual. And I submit to you that much of man's emotional distress stems from misunderstanding and improper perspective. Now let me illustrate it this way. In our society, there's a great deal of emphasis placed on material possession. You know, if you come from a wealthy family, you are ascribed a certain amount of, of, of honor. Now I may not know anything about you as a person. you just come from a wealthy family, and, and that means that people will treat you a certain way based on your material possession. But I remember Jesus, Luke 12 verse number 15, said, "Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisted not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Jesus is saying, it don't think that having material possession makes a man something. It don't think that having money is the solution to all of life's problems. You know, rich people worry about things too. And you know, money can't buy everything. It get the wrong kind of sickness. And you can have all the money in the world and the doctor will look at you and shake your head at you just like he would somebody who has no health insurance at all. We have no idea what to do. And many times in life, because of our misunderstandings and, and our improper perspective, uh, 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 we have uh, emotional distress. And, and appreciate we have some misconceptions on just about everything. You know, some people have some misconceptions about life. Uh, do you know, if you understand life, God didn't put us here to chase happiness. God didn't put everybody else here to do what I want them to do so I can be happy. Remember Solomon said life is about fear God and keep his commandments. God put us here to serve him. Everybody doesn't appreciate that. Some people flat reject that. Uh, 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 Some people have some misconceptions about relationships. You know, they, they've read uh, 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 Prince Charming and Snow White or Cinderella or somebody else, and they think at some point we ought to live happily ever after. And now, if you're going to stay in a relationship long term, it's going to take some work. And, and don't listen to folk talking about that 50-50. It ain't going to be too many times in a relationship when it's 50-50. In fact, God tells us, look, you give 100 and stop worrying about what the other person is giving. Because relationship ain't just between you two, it's between the three of us. Everybody doesn't understand that. And our misconceptions and our misunderstandings lead us to some emotional distress. And one of the ways that God helps us is to correct how we see things. Uh, do you remember the declaration from the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3, verse number seven? He said, what things were gained to me, those I counted but lost. Paul said, I, I had to change my perception, my, my, my conception of life and what really mattered. I used to place a lot of stock in the fact that I was not just a Jew, I was a pure Jew. You know, of the tribe of Benjamin, and I look, I, I got a pedigree unlike most Jews. Paul said, I used to be, uh, you know, place a lot of stock in the fact that I was a Pharisee, and not just a Pharisee, but I'm one of the best Pharisees around. Paul said, "But Jesus had to clear some things up for me. He 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 had to help me see that the things that I was placing stock in really didn't amount to too much. And you know when it is when God clears up our understanding and we start to see things as as they really are, uh, uh, that we can get beyond some of the stress that we have in our living. You know, sometimes we just stressed out about stuff until God helps us see things right. You know, we stressed out about this world until God reminds us, you don't yeah, this ain't your home." You laboring for something better than what's well, it. Everything here is temporary. Doesn't that take some of the stress out of it? Hey, you at work, working yourself into a grave, you know, trying to get ready for retirement. No, and I ain't mad at you. Yeah, yeah You want to live well in your retirement. But, but don't think that's the end all to end all. Hey, you might be in there slaving away, working to retirement. You may not reach it. Jesus helps you see there's something bigger than what man sees uh, alone and unaided. He's able to give life to the lifeless. And then third there in Luke 18, he says that he uh, uh, anointed me to preach deliverance to the captives. And from this, the takeaway is that he's able to give deliverance to the captives. And even as there are many forms of poverty and death, so there are many forms of captivity. See, to the Jews of the Old Testament, captivity probably drew their minds to Babylon, you know, the Babylonian captivity. Some of them may have thought beyond that to when they were slaves in the uh, the land of Egypt. But you know, you can be captive to a lot of things. In in 2 Timothy 2, verse 26, Uh, Paul said uh, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. You know the devil can have you in captivity. Now, now you have to be somewhat of a willing participant. Uh, You know, he can't hold you against uh, uh, the power of God and without an assist from you, uh, but he can take you captive. Do you know some people are captives to their own way of thinking? There are many forms of captivity. Uh, Addictions and some thought processes are forms of captivity. Did you know selfishness is a form of captivity? When when you think I'm supposed to get my way and everybody's supposed to agree with me and and the way I see it is the way it ought to be. All of these things can be a form of bondage. But whatever one's captivity may be, Jesus is able to free us. Uh, In your Bibles, in Romans chapter six and starting at verse number 16, Uh, There's a word from the apostle there, he says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked, you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. <clears throat> all of us were slaves to sin. Sin had a claim on us that was only renounced by the blood of Christ Jesus. And even as God frees us from sin, he's able to free us from whatever our issue is. But be aware of the fact that God, while God works for us, in us, and through us, helping us is a process. You have had a bump, a, a cut, a bruise, a scratch, or something like that? It doesn't heal instantaneously. It heals over time. And some things heal a little bit slower than others. And with some things, even if they heal, there's a reminder that you had the injury. You know, if you cut, uh, there may still be a scar, even after the thing heals. Uh, you know, if you have one of them serious injuries, you know, you just have the, the wrong kind of injury in your leg, you may walk with a limp even after your body has done all that it can in terms of healing. See, God heals us a little bit better than that, but it's always a process. It doesn't happen overnight. And one of the major uh, uh, dis- uh, discouragers or sources of delusion uh, uh, for people is that they want God to work instantaneously. Now, if you've been 20 to 30 years in the making of the trouble, you know, don't get impatient with God if he won't fix it overnight. Now, it's not that he can't, but if he fixed it overnight, you know what we would do? We'd go right out and make more trouble, because God can fix it overnight. See, God always works in our best interest in the way that he does things. And we may not even understand why he's working the way that he does. But remember, I said God is great in his person. One of the things we can count on is that God will be faithful to what he has said. Back in the days of the Old Testament, uh, the Israelites didn't appreciate what God was doing with the Babylonian captivity. How can you let us be dragged off to be slaves? to a pagan people. Well, it's not like you don't have your own issues, Israel. And it's not like we've been through these issues once or twice, this thing has been cyclical. You get in trouble, I deliver you, you stay thankful for a while, and then you go right back out and worship your idols again. And we just keep going round and round and round in that cycle. God said, I gotta do something that's gonna make an impression on you and he allowed Nebuchadnezzar to come in there and drag them off into slavery, and they had the nerve to be shocked. How could God allow this? God said, don't you ever doubt that even with the Babylonian captivity that I was working on your behalf. Let me read for you real quick uh, uh, Lamentations uh, chapter 3. Lamentations 3, I'm going to start at verse 21. This I recall to my mind, Therefore have I hope, it is is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. Now now what Jeremiah is saying, it, it might be stuff going on around us, but it could always be worse than it is. And it's only because God is fighting for us that it's not worse than it is. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning, great is thy faithfulness. Now it might be stuff going on in life, but God is still faithful. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. In other words, don't, don't, don't get groaned with God about the way he's working things out. God always works it out the way it needs to be worked out, but he's always faithful. God wants to help us because he has our best interest at heart, and God understands our healing needs better than we do. You know, sometimes you can be sick and not even know it. God knows our needs greater than we do, and the greatest need we have is to be reconciled to him through Christ Jesus. And God's prescription for that uh, is that we hear the good news that Jesus is a Savior. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10:17. He requires that we believe Jesus to be the Christ, the Son of God, John 8, verse 24. Uh, that we be willing to turn from sin, turn to Him, Luke 13:3, Luke 13:5, that we make the confession of faith in Christ Jesus, Matthew 10, verse 32 and that we be baptized in water for the remission of sins, Acts 2, verse 38. And when we go down into the waters of baptism, as a matter of grace and mercy, God chooses to wash away our sins by the blood of Christ Jesus. He indwells us with his spirit, and he adds us to the church. You know why God does all of that? Because he understands, even though I healed you, you could get sick again. And I'm giving you all these things, Uh, 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 in your long-term best interest, and he requires that we live obediently after his will and faithfully in his service. Perhaps you're here this morning, you want to respond to the invitation, or you want the church to pray for you, and if either of these are the case, then we bid you to come as we stand and as we sing the song of invitation.